This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have a special guest, Beata Chalette, who is the growth architect and founder of the Women's Code and provides visionaries and leaders with proven strategies, blueprints, and growth maps that provide clear steps to improve business systems, strengthen leadership skills, and teams so that her clients and audiences can maximize profits and scale their impact. And I'm Mary Elkins. Beata is known as a straight shooter and for her ability to inspire, empower, and overcome adversity. She is the podcast host of the Business Growth Architect Show and listed amongst the top 100 global thought leaders by People Hum and one of the 50 must follow women entrepreneurs by HuffPost. We want to hear how she built her business. Welcome, Beata. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy and Mary. It's uh, a pleasure and a privilege to be here. Thank you. Great to have you. Tell us a little bit about your background and how that led to the place you find yourself in today. Yeah, so I think that my background is probably like many people's background. You know, somebody who had a big idea and had no clue how to get there and then stumbling uh, probably half of my life through the dark trying to figure things out and overcoming a mountain of adversity in the process, fires, floods, riots, earthquakes, September 11th, a tsunami that uh, where one of my key vendors vanished and a lot, a lot of losses. And eventually I found myself $135,000 in debt as a single mom with, with my daughter, Gina. And I had a great idea, just no money. And I thought it was game over. And from there on, I, you know, did a lot of things that you do when you're a business owner with your back against the wall and you fighting for survival. There were all the bridges burned there. The boats had sunk and it was either this or go under. And I had in the very end then taken some dramatic measures and it all worked out when I sold my business for millions of dollars to Bill Gates. Well, from... A big idea, not knowing what to do. You sold your business to Bill Gates in a recession. How did you do that? Yeah, so the story is the story that I think is important to share for your listeners because we always believe that what we set out to, with an idea, that it's kind of this idea that we have, and then one step leads to another step, and then there is going to be incremental growth, and then we'll get to a certain point, and then we all hold hands and live, ha- live happily ever after, and our business all producing income. And then we find out that that's not the case, that things happen in business, that somebody betrays you, people lie to you, somebody steals from you, um, 
you know, there's natural disasters, there's recessions. So there is no such thing as safety or guarantees with anything. And of and course, businesses aren't built so linear as all that either. Wouldn't that it's, be nice if that was the case? Yeah, if it were yeah, linear like be. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think we're still all waiting for that, that businesses are linear, but they're just not. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> and so you were like in this, in this crazy bumpy road and holding on for dear life. And you, 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 you go, well, here's the original idea. So I was a photographer. Oh. And then I realized that I wasn't as good as a photographer as I was on the business side of things. So I went into the business side of things and I became a photo editor at Elle magazine. And then I realized that at 23, I'm running the photo department of Elle magazine in Germany. And there really was no, no, nowhere to go from there. What, what are you like the head photo editor, the super duper photo editor, you're a mm -hmm. photo editor. That's it. Game over. That's it. That's how far you can go. And then I didn't like that. And I said, I'm going to, you know, go for having an adventure. And I immigrated to the United States. And then I became a artist representative. And then I became a photography producer. And then I produced shoots for Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Levi Strauss, Wrangler, great clients. That was a lot of fun. And my goal was to be um, producing music videos. And then I'm one day in the desert and I finally, you know, landed my first music video and the trucks are coming in and I had picked up the model at four o'clock in the morning and the grip truck shows up mm -hmm. and the catering truck shows up and, and the stylist shows up. And I mean, it's just breathtaking. And I hear this voice in my head and it says, you need to play bigger. I'm going really during all that you felt the voice. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah. Weird, huh? Weird. Right. And so mm -hmm. I ignored it. Oh, because that's, of course, the right thing to do at that time. <laughs> and then everything fell apart because I was meant to work at a much larger level, which I knew back then while I was busy doing other things, but just wasn't paying attention to it. And then mm. everything broke apart. So here's like sort of my first, you know, hint. If you hear that voice, you better be listening to it rather sooner than later, because if you don't pay attention to it, the decision is going to be taken away from you and it is being made for you. And, and so the next universe thing, and was speaking to you. Loud and clearly, Mary. Loud mm -hmm. and clearly. And so here I am. I am trying to figure this all out. And, and then everything fell apart and I had no income. And so <laughs> the idea then was born that I had wanted to set up a stock photography syndication for architectural and interior images which was an mm -hmm. idea that the person who betrayed me the most, this photographer, oh. this vendor that was part of my, my, uh, my business, who I've sold hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for, he betrayed me by getting too close to my, to my employee. And they came up with this idea how to build their own business, which was my business without me. And next oh. thing I know, invoices are being paid to them that I wrote. And then when I call the client, I'm like, what's up with that? Why are you paying them? Why are you not paying me? And they say, oh, the invoice is paid. I'm like, not to me. And they say, oh, no, we paid it to their new business because they said you were withholding the funds and mm. that you hadn't paid them in months. So they came up with lies. Oh, oh, my. So I sued them because I mm -hmm. thought that was a smart thing to do. And so was now it? I'm in. No, it was the worst idea ever. And now I'm in this lawsuit that I'm involved in for an entire year. And 
you know, and then I thought the production business was working, you know, September rolls around, you know, my books are flush. I'm thinking at least cash flow wise, I'm going to make it. And then September 11th comes and wipes out everything in one day. So this voice that says you need to play bigger that I didn't listen to, you know, within literally like nine months, I, a million dollars were just gone. And Are you based in New York at that point then? No, I was based in Los Angeles, but there was not anybody because it was working, you know, for a lot of clients in Europe that when mm. it got too cold to produce in Europe, they would fly to Los Angeles, to California to produce here. And yeah. when they came, you know, nobody was in their right mind was going to go on a plane and fly here. I mean, yeah. that just wasn't mm -hmm. going to happen. And so here I am and I have to figure out how to, uh, what to do next. And so this photographer that, that, you know, started it basically, he was an interior and architectural photographer and I started licensing his images. And that's, mm. gave, that's what gave me the idea to build this business. And so I, built this business, but I had no money. And when the lawsuit settled, it was just enough to pay off the debt, but there was nothing left over. So I started literally from zero. I could have saved myself that entire year. And, mm, but yeah. I, got to, I got to be right, you know, for, for whatever that's worth. Huh. <laughs> <Truly>. <laughs> Sometimes that's bittersweet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like one of those things where then later when you know what you know, then and you look back and you say, why, why did I get myself? Why, yeah. why did I allow myself to get drawn into this? But, mm -hmm. you know, at that point it was too late, but then I'm so deep into debt that I'm building up this, this, this stock syndication, you know, digital business, just when digital mm -hmm. became a thing. And I was like at the forefront of that, but it's very, it was very expensive. So mm -hmm. I'm $135,000 in debt and I have no more money. So I flew to Germany to drum up some business at an international conference and visited my dad. My family's still in Germany. My father had a stroke, mm -hmm. uh, but my father did not have a stroke. My father had uh, pancreatic cancer. <gasps> and so oh, no. he dies like within six weeks. So now I'm at this funeral in Germany in this picturesque nether Bavarian town with a Baroque church on the hill overlooking the valley. My phone rings and now my office calls me and says, we've just been served a notice. Now we're losing the house. Oh. And, you know, mm, and I fell to no. my knees and I, I raised my fist and I yelled at God and I said, if you have a plan, this would be a really excellent time to film in because I just couldn't understand what was happening. You know, I'm like, I'm a good person. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I've done everything right. Maybe I waited a little bit too long to take action, but mm -hmm. nothing that would justify these hard knocks just, just kept coming. And then I surrendered and I said, fine, you know, if I drown, at least I don't drown in a puddle. At least I drown in the open ocean. <laughs> Oh dear. And uh, well, what, yeah. I mean, what, 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 what do you do in a moment like this? And I came back and not too long after that, I get a letter from the white house, the mm -hmm. white house, the yeah. president sends you his best wishes because in my absolute desperation, I send a letter to the president of the United States asking him for help. And I did that. And here's sort of the second lesson um, that I think is really important to point out opportunity always shows up as a challenge. Opportunities uh -huh. don't show up as opportunities. They show up as challenges. I love that. Me too. That's very important to note. Yes, it is. I'm and the challenge was that my, <laughs> my former mother-in-law 
just would not stop nagging me about this. Did you write the president? He's your president too. If anybody can help you as the president of the United States, why don't you go to the number one in the country? Why are you wasting your time with everybody else? Just go write it. Fine. I'm writing (laughs) the letter. So just so we don't ever have to talk about it. Well, let's just say when the letter from the White House arrived, um, the joke was on me, not on her, because it put me in touch with a small business administration. And oh. then, who was president at the time? Because we George know somebody, W. Bush. Oh, it's a oh. little before her time, but we know somebody that headed up the small, the small business, business administration. And for a we while, did we didn't under a Obama. Podcast. We did a podcast with her too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I she think was it under was Obama. I think later. it was uh, the guy was. Um, Alvarez, I think, was the was the number one guy, and I spoke to the number two guy because he also got a letter from the White House, and he goes like, "I got to meet this person that does such crazy things as writing to the White House instead of picking up the phone and talking to me." And so what mm-hmm. they did, it helped because I had had done the work, and this is number, mm-hmm. you know, I really had done the work. I've written the business plan, I've had my ducks in in a row, I was ready, and so when I walked into the Small Business Administration. They looked at my business plan. They helped me to restructure the numbers. And then they found me a bank that took over my $135,000 of credit card debt and restructured it in a 10-year fixed loan. That freed up my Mm. line of credit. That got me to break even three months later. That got me to become the world leader in my category in the next 18 months. That's how the Bill Gates company comes and says, can you tell us how you do it like any decent woman? I said, absolutely not. You want it? <laughs> you pay for it. And I said, fine, mm-hmm. how much money do you want? I said, a couple million. They said, okay. That's fabulous. I and, love and that story. How, how did it happen with Bill Gates? Uh, the, in the market. So Bill Gates uh, is not just, was at the time, not just the owner of, or the CEO, CEO of Microsoft and the chairman, but he also has a private portfolio of companies he holds privately that have nothing to do with Microsoft. So this was a company he held privately that he was a, a, an owner for. Wonderful. I wanted to ask you what you think is the best and fastest way to grow your authority in any market. It is to understand that authority is not about influence and it's not about celebrity. So if you mistake the uh, that authority with something else, it's going to be very difficult. So an authority is an expert in your industry. And mm-hmm. the fastest way to become the authority in anything is to identify your target market, to know who your airtight avatar is, to understand deeply what their problems are, to make an offer that solves that particular problem and then to create a strategy that gets you in front of that audience on a consistent basis. That's mm. how you grow authority the fastest. I love that. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful answer. Those are complicated steps, but yeah, you, you're laying it out very well. Obviously, each step takes a lot of work. Well, yes and no. So I, I always think about this from this perspective is, we as entrepreneurs oftentimes keep looking for the one thing that makes it easy, which is the which is the illusion of internet marketing. If I go out in the space and I sign up for one internet marketer that resonates with me, 
I also sign up for every affiliate program that they're part of, and there are many. So the minute mm. I learn how to speak from stage, I'm going to get an offer on how to create an online product, create, get an offer on how to launch that product, get an offer how to get leads, ha- get an offer on how to get these leads in my funnel, get an offer on how to create that funnel. And next thing I know, I'm in this rabbit hole of hundreds and hundreds of hours of learning, completely sidetracking me from what I do. So what we said at the growth architect, and which is why we built growth architecture is like, just stop it. Just like everybody just like, stop here. Well, because what does you a need growth to architect plan. do? I mean, talk about exactly what it is. And you, in a way you're explaining it, but talk more on that and what you do. Yeah. So, so growth architecture basically means that it's a blueprint for how do you want to build your house. So I don't care how you furnish the house, but you need a foundation. You need cornerstones. You need materials. You need to decide how many floors it has, where where it's going to be built, which direction you want to look, um, how many rooms you need. So all of these things have to be decided before you purchase the property or go out and look for for the house that's right for you or your family. And so growth architecture it was designed on this that I found a lot of business owners get so confused about, well, I heard so-and-so speak, that sounds good. Well, but now I heard this guy speak, well, that sounds good too. Well, maybe it's a speaking business, maybe it's an online marketing business, maybe it's a maybe it's a individual high-end coaching business. Maybe it's a a mastermind business. Maybe it's a group coaching program. And so they get so confused with all the different options that they have that they get nothing ever done because they always look for another thing. So we designed growth architecture to say, everybody just stop it. Just stop it. You do that for other businesses too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Take a look at the five-star success blueprint. Identify where you are at. You know, here are the five steps of the five-star success blueprint. Diagnose where it is and where you're stuck and where something is not properly aligned. And then look at everything that you have, that you have bought, that you have done. Plug the pieces in where they go. Reduce unnecessary complexity and then focus on growth. Mm. Great. Just narrow it down and go for it right and yeah what should business owners do or not do during a recession so this is a very very simple question if is all your com- simple <laughs> if all your competitors stop marketing because they are afraid of the unknown mm. what should you do go for it go for it So in a recession, because the entire media is laid out based up on fear base. Mm -hmm, So so people go like, I got to preserve my cash. I got to stop what I'm doing. I got to hope that I'm going to make it through. Make it through what? Uh, I'm just going to be conservative. Conservative about what? I got, you know, so so they get so in 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 into their fear mongering. So If you think about a gesture of protection, right? So let's say a child runs to you and you want to protect it. You put your arms around the child, but the gesture goes down. So protection effectively blocks blocks growth, right? Because it's it's protection. If you think growth, Mm -hmm. growth is a gesture that goes 
up. So if you can't do one, you can't do both. You, you either are going to use your hands to protect or use your hands to grow. So for those in a recession that want to protect, they're effectively pushing their growth oh. downward. So you have to be cognizant in a recession to say, am I really going to push it down or, want, or do I want to grow and do the opposite? So I think that these are where the opportunities are, that everybody else is running around scared. So you need to do the opposite. You always mm. need to do the opposite. You don't buy when the market is high. You buy when the market is low. Mm-hmm. You sell when the market is high, but you know people say they know that, and then they still don't do it. I mean, fear, mm-hmm. fear, always fear. Yeah, always fear. fear. Um, you, you talked about uh, your five star business blueprint. How does that help someone grow and scale their business? Yes. So, so I thought about this from the perspective: what is the fastest way and the simplest way to explain it to somebody on how do how do you how do you actually physically do this? Mm-hmm. And so we came up with this five star success blueprint, and we literally just published our our ebook on on this so people can understand. Because I I, I don't understand why it's so confusing, but apparently it is very confusing. So I'm going to take you through. What do you call your book? Program. It's called the five star success blueprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's it's really super easy. So you start with the idea. What is it that you're doing? Who needs what you're doing? Why are you the person that should be doing and selling this? And why would anybody buy from you? What problem does it solve? If you have that, then you move to the second step, which is the offer. Now, when you know who it is and what they need, then you go and you create the offer that solves the very problem you've just identified. But you won't believe how many people do the offer before they ever even know what their client struggles with. We call right. this the phantom mm-hmm. avatar. Huh. Oh. You know, it's a Good product name. that's designed for somebody who doesn't even exist. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> then once you have this offer that solves this defined problem, then you go to building your systems. Because then you know what is it that I need to be putting out in front of these people. And then you can design your systems. That's when you know on whether you need speaking or an online course or live coaching or mastermind or whatever it is, because you now know what the what the vehicles are on how this offer needs to be put out in front of your clients. When you have that, then you go to the fourth step, which is who do you need to operate those systems that manage the offer that put that solution in front of a buying client? And that mm-hmm. gets you back to the fifth part. Now, who do you need to be as a business owner who can scale this business with this team that operates the system, that manages the offer, that solves the problem for your clients? It's really not complicated. And if you keep that in mind, you know, the simplicity of these five steps, there's no guesswork in this. You can Mm -hmm. diagnose it very quickly. So somebody may now say, well, I did the offer, but I'm really not quite clear what my avatar is. Well, stop everything. Go to the airtight avatar. Get your uh, get your customer profile in order. Understand exactly what they're thinking, what they're feeling. If people have not done this in the last six months, I mean, just since AI alone went on the market, so much has changed. 
So Mm -hmm. you need to constantly do this. Is what I'm selling still solving a problem for the audience? And I bet it has changed. Mm -hmm. And then you need to go back to the offer and then adjust the offer and the language. How have you adjusted your own business? (laughs) (laughs) How have you adjusted your own business due to that? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. So I created a, a product, a very inexpensive product, the intentional implementer. And the intentional implementer was designed to be a business growth app for people that are looking for the most commonly asked questions like how do I use LinkedIn for lead generation? Um, how do I how do I close sales? What's a good sales script? Um, you know, what kind of marketing actions can I take right away? So we took 101 questions and we put it literally in this business growth app. Well, what happens is because of COVID and the aftermath, there's such a fatigue in uh, overload of information that if somebody here says 101 questions and 101 answers, they run away screaming because they go like, <laughs> it's true. Well, I, I don't have time for 101 questions or answers, nor do I even know what the 101 questions are. So we had to go back and say, well, what problem does it really solve? So we went to our own airtight avatar. And we said, well, everybody's telling us that they're so unbelievably busy, they want shortcuts. Well, what we created were shortcuts. So you see the difference between the question to an answer and a shortcut. So now Mm -hmm. the language changed to a shortcut. And then we came up with this language and we say, are you in business prison? Mm -hmm. Where you feel it's just work, 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 and now you want the shortcuts. It's the same product. It solves but now it solves a different problem because now the positioning of it is not, if you have a question, you know where to go. It's like, we know that you're so overwhelmed and then you're in business prison with these 10,000 things to do. All you want to know is what is the shortcut to closing more sales? Well, here it is. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's just one example on how much you need to think about this right now is the language resonating with your audience? Mm. And then you need to test it, of course. Mm. You have a book with a title that I love, Happy Woman, Happy World. I love that title. Yeah. And, and you describe a concept called ego rhythm. Is this only for women? And what would you? what is this? What is ego rhythm? So ego rhythm is a concept that I developed when my daughter when she was three years old, stopped breathing at night, one night. (gasps) And I remember this sound for as long as I live. It was this like intense inhale is, and then there was just absolute silence. And I ripped out of bed, threw her over my shoulder, hopped around the room. She woke up, took her to the emergency room. Turns out she had asthma. For the next three years, I'm obsessed with this. And I, you know, taught myself how to like basically not sleep and constantly listen to her breathing subconsciously because I was so worried that this was going to happen again. And then she grew out of it. And I'm thinking like, what? You know, I've been obsessed with this. I've been terrified. And then she just grew out of it because her lungs got stronger. You know, we did a lot of swimming. She was a lot of underwater diving, holding her breath, developing her lungs. And then it just went away. And then I thought, well, What if 
what if this is a concept? What if this is what if this is like this in life? And then I looked at my life. I looked at the life of of all of my friends, and I saw that the stuff that we obsess over. Oh my God, I can't find a relationship. To suddenly they're in a relationship, and then they have a baby, and they go like, Oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. How do I be a mother? And then yeah. and then that goes away, and they're like, Oh my God, how do I preserve my relationship? Or what do I do with my career? Or my mother died. What do I do? So so it's like always something. And I said, well, if this is a concept, if I say it's a concept, ego rhythm, my own rhythm, and I help readers, not just women, but men as well, of course, to say, how do you know what rhythm you are in? And how do you influence the rhythm you want to be in? I mean, nobody wants to be in a tragedy ego rhythm, but how do I give myself permission to be fully in this rhythm? Because I know it's not like this forever. It's only going to be like this for a specific period of time what would that change? Then you could be, you know, my, my daughter is literally like, I'm, I'm, I have my phone right here because she is literally about to go into labor any second. <gasps> like Congratulations. Any second. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, she was, she would not leave me alone when she was little. When she was a teenager, she yelled at me from the top of her lungs. I bleep hate you. And now, you know, and now she's like, you're the first one to call when I'm going into labor. If I would have known that there mm -hmm. is a path, I would have, I would have enjoyed the cling on phase a lot more because I would have known that the, I hate you phase comes, but mm -hmm. I didn't. And so I fought the cling on phase and I fought the hate you phase. So if somebody would have just told me that these are just moments in time, I probably would have just gone, okay, that's the rhythm I'm in right now. I guess that's just where it's at. And so that's mm -hmm. why I wrote the book to really help people to find relief in this, in this perpetual chase to perfection and needing to have everything be perfect all the time in all areas of our lives. I love that because we do need to appreciate the present oh, moment and yeah. have gratitude for that before we can move on to bigger business things, develop our avatars, all these things. How can we do that unless we get into the present moment? And you're right. You would have really enjoyed the Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. have worried about it at all. Yeah. yeah so, wow. But how, how do you that. apply the ego rhythm to business growth and business strategies? And on that note, how many strategies are there? Yeah, I think that's actually a really good good pivot, um, Mary, because people always think about that that what happens in nature or what happens out there has nothing to do with us. So, you know, I was just speaking to my son-in-law, you know, when I was driving driving to my office, and he's like, "Well, you know, work is really slow right now." And I said, "Have you ever thought about that the universe or spirit or God?" is giving you these two weeks because mm. the birth of your baby is imminent and that this is created by nature. So you can actually have these two weeks. What did he say? And he, he, he I don't, he's never even thought about it like that. Mm. I said, what if I were to tell you that in two weeks, all hell breaks loose and you're going to be busier than you ever can imagine. What would you do? Would that change how you feel about this right now? He says, well, of course that'd be relaxing. I said, will you please? Mm. So it, it it's He's, almost like keeping the, it's almost like keeping that big picture in mind all the time and and almost living the present but acknowledging what the future might hold. 
that you, you that's exactly what I told him. I said the I've never seen or experienced a tree that was ashamed that it loses its leaves in the fall and goes, Oh my God, I'm naked. What should people think? No leaves. This is so embarrassing. I mean, look at what I look like. You know, do I look fat? You know, I have nothing to cover. None of this happens in nature. There's no squirrel that runs around and says, gee, I only had 10 nuts today. This is going to be a disaster in the winter. Uh, the, the squirrel just goes like, well, I'm just going to keep looking for nuts. I'm going to find as many as I can. It's all going to work out. We're the only species that makes a big, big deal out of everything. What if we had faith in that image that we have of ourselves that we hold in the future to say, we identified this is what we're working toward. This is the image that we hold clear in our head. This is my path. So if I have the two weeks right now, coincidentally, as my child is about to arrive, lucky me, yay me, high five me. I created this so I don't have 20 clients because I did it. It's in the middle of the summer. All my clients are gaining weight while they're on vacation, <laughs> eating <laughs> eating in Mexico, you know, or in Italy, all the pasta. They're all going to come fat, <laughs> back off fat and, and happy. And then they're all going to sign up because they need to lose those 10 pounds. <laughs> why oh, can I, yeah. Why, yeah. Why, can't, why can't I not think that? So would you say that appreciating the moment is one of your strategies for business growth? Is that actually one of the strategies? Uh, it's, yes, it is a, I, I best describe it, and, and believe me, I'm in the same boat. You know, I, I have to take my own advice on this mm -hmm. and say, maybe it is slow for me right now so that I can be there for my grandchild. Mm -hmm. So it's not just for them, me giving them smart advice, but it is also mm -hmm. for me to say in gratitude, what you just said, Kathy, right? Being in that gratitude and saying, yay me, that I, that I, I, I had the foresight to book, to book things around this mm -hmm. so that I can take the time because that was a decision I made and said, who do I want to be for this child? Who do I want to be? as a business owner, what does this mean for me going forward? Am I going to be the hard charging, take no prisoners, you know, strategic consultant grandparent, or am <laughs> I going to be allowing this now to bring out something that I've maybe not been able to do as a single hardworking mom to have mm -hmm. that, to have yeah. that emotion and to have that time and the patience to be there and if that's available to me right now, then I must have created this for myself. And if I created this for myself, then it must be perfect because God spared the universe makes no mistakes. Everything is by design. I really mm. believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you've talked about failing your way to success. So what do you mean by that? Huh. This failing to success, I always compare this to when... You know, we drive our cars and we have a GPS and then the GPS message comes and says, you need to update your GPS software, but we are very busy because we have to go to the appointment, to the lunch, whatever. So we just don't update it because it takes like 10 minutes. Who wants to sit in the car for 10 minutes and wait until this thing updates? <laughs> and then inevitably the day comes and you want to go that one way and boom, they're building the freeway, roads block. <laughs> so now I'm going to get out of the car. 
I'm going to throw myself on the ground. I'm going to throw a temp <laughs> tantrum. I'm going to go, I'm the worst driver in the world. I'll never drive again. I'm, I, I can't believe this happened oh. to me. This is the worst thing in the world. How, you know, I, I, that's it for me. I'm going to return my driver's license. I'm going to sell my car. This is it's just not for me. <laughs> Does nobody. Of course. Of course. No, nobody, right? You just wave <laughs> at the guy in the hard hat and the neon suit with the stripe and you go like, ah, should I update the GPS? But you know your destination is still there. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You just go, God, could have saved myself that. Find another way. And so when something happens in our lives, we have sudden attachment to failure that every time there's a cul-de-sac, we throw ourselves on the ground and, 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 and throw this phenomenal temper tantrum <laughs> of being a failure and a loser and a whatever, instead of saying, wrong way, find another way. Yep. So failing your way to success is your ability to recognize the cul-de-sacs and not fight them, but to find the way that gets you there. It's like an elimination. You go like, okay, that's not working. Great. That's not working. Great. Already eliminated 10 out of 20. So there's only 10 for me to try. That's how you fail your way to success. And I love that way, way because we're not attaching ourselves to the failure. We're making the failure the road, the road, the not the obstacle, but the way to get down the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, they I always love that. They all they always say that uh, failure is really an opportunity, and that is that definitely exemplifies that. Well, you know, you've had a lot of roadblocks in your life, and you've failed tons. So, what kind of mindset did you did you have to adopt, and how does mindset play into being successful? I will not drown in a puddle. Mm -hmm. So. So when people get like, oh my God, I'm $10,000 in debt, I'm gone. Like, That's not even worth it. <laughs> it's not even worth it. I'm $20,000 in, in debt. That's not even worth it. Mm -hmm. No, at 100000 well, now we can, no, no, now we can talk. But people get so attached over the little, the little, the little pieces in life that, that they think that it has to be a particular way, but they don't even know what the way is. It, they just experience the discomfort of growth. And then they think it must be bad because they're uncomfortable. Growth is always uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I saw it with my daughter and it was, it was hilarious. Yes. I mean, she, she does not think she's waddling. She's definitely waddling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and everything hurts now because, you know, the baby's all the way down and, you know, and movements are tough. She can't really sleep her back, you know, I mean, everything is uncomfortable. Well, she's creating a life. Would mm -hmm. you think that that was not, doesn't come with birthing pains? So we know the concept. We know the concept of that nature is outlined very clearly to us. Growth and birthing is hard and it's labor. It's painful and worth it because you can create something. And then when it happens to us, we go, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh, really? You didn't know that was going to happen? Where were you mm. the entire time? So I think there also has to be a realization with yourself and an honesty with yourself to say, if you want to stay where you are and you can tolerate this level of pain and discomfort or mediocrity, I don't have judgment. But just say this is what you want, but don't say you want something else and then do nothing. 
Mm. Because then your pain level is not high enough to make a change. And I think that's where people get really caught in the failure or in the mistakes or in this, you know, in the endless loop of just keeping turning in circles and circles and circles. You have to change things to get a different result. That's just the way it is. So what are you going to change? And if you don't change anything, then you're not going to lose weight. So when I picked up my, my mocha with a lot of chocolate syrup in it, I'm well aware that this is not going to be beneficial for my diet. But I really wanted one today. So there you go. <laughs> and it sounds like, really good. Oh, my God. And iced. And it was like from this like, so coffee shop. So, you, you know, just mm-hmm. make conscious decisions and say, if I'm serious on my diet, I obviously should not be having that. But I made the decision that this is what I want. I could have just had a regular black iced coffee and had zero calories, but it's not what I choose. So I cannot expect that I'm going to have this with all this chocolate syrup sugar in it <laughs> and that I'll be 10 pounds lighter tomorrow. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So, But talk, tie that in a little bit more with mindset because I want to understand this a little bit more from your view. Yeah, so the mindset part of it is that the decision the decision of the goal has to come first. So the way I explain it in in growth architecture, it's like this. You have to know what the goal is. And the goal has to be passionately embedded in, 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 in your life. Like every day you wake up, you need to see, I'm running a million dollar business. I'm running a $5 million business. I'm serving 500 people. I evaluate everything that I put in my mouth, my relationships, the best relationships I've ever had. I have the best intimacy in my life. I feel loved. My children love me. Whatever whatever the vision is, it has to be really, really clear in your head. Mm-hmm. And then you cannot waver. So then when something comes, because it's your subconscious trying to get you back to your regular mediocre spot, you have to override it with a vision. It's like a USB port that's plugged in. That's the operating system that runs. And then you're Mm -hmm. taking a new USB port and you plug it in on the other side and it's overriding the existing system. The minute you stop running that program, this old program will will immediately take over because it's the original operating system. And so Mm -hmm. people, people do a little bit of that and they say, well, Kathy, I'm going to be really successful. And then they're good for like a week or two and then something happens. They get a cold, they get the flu, somebody lost their job, something bad happened, they gain two pounds, and they fall off and they say, it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Because mm-hmm. they allowed they allowed the original operating system, whose job it is to keep you where you are at, to kick back in. Because they couldn't hold the vision long enough. And that's, I think, our job and mindset is to get clear on the vision to hold that vision at all times. You know, I, I had somebody on my podcast that told me about that he wrote, that he writes this manifesto. And I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Just have your manifesto, look at it every day so that you're reminding yourself, what is it that you're trying to achieve? And then leave the path up to the higher power mm-hmm. and then look for the path along the way and then take the action that it takes to get to this goal. Because Here's another example. And literally this conversation was just an hour ago. Well, should I take this job that would pay me $50,000? Now I'm going to be a new parent. Um, 
with $50,000, I'd be okay right now, but then I cannot go to school. I cannot go and do, go to PT school and uh, do my master's in physical therapy and then become a doctor of physical therapy. And then, you know, in the next three years, you know, get to the hundred, $150,000 earning potential. So I said to him, so I said, is that what you want? Well, I want the money. And I feel mm. that that's what I need to do to provide for my family. I said, but you already have private clients. I said, so how much, how many clients do you need to have to get to $50,000? He goes, if I have 25 clients at $2,000, I'm at $50,000. I said, is it possible for you to get in a, in a period of 365 days over 12 months, 25 clients at $2,000? And he says, that should be possible. I said, so what's the problem? <laughs> yeah but sometimes yeah. we need somebody to tell us that <laughs> so yeah we or, make or it we make it driven. unnecessarily complicated right so i said so so your vision is to have a physical therapy office with a fitness center attached to it where your wife can have the child care part so that you can be together that's your vision right yes Mm -hmm. I said, so does a $50,000 fitness job at a personal trainer in some high-end gym, does that get you to that vision? No. Then why are we talking about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. And I, I, I want to ask you, Beata, what would you like our listeners to have as their main takeaway today? I think the main takeaway is that you got to get very clear what it is that you want and where you want to go. And then you have to keep that in front of your head because most people give up because something happens and then they say, well, it wasn't meant to be. If it was this easy to overcome our own negative thinking and, 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 and our own subconscious pattern, everybody would be doing it. Greatness really comes from one and one thing only. And that is your unwavering belief that it is possible. If it is possible, it must be possible for you. Mm. If it is possible for you, then the question is not, can I? Then the question shifts to, how can I? Mm -hmm. That's great. Very I nice. Have, yeah, very powerful. I have to ask you, though, one question that's been on my mind here. What drives you? What drove you? to the success that you've achieved today? Was it your daughter? Was it something innate? You know, so I wonder this sometimes myself, what, what, what the heck is it? But I think it was just, I, I just, I just cannot give up. It's just not in my vocabulary because I see people who do this all the time. I, I work with one percenters. I work with very successful people. And I see how easy it is. And I know it is possible. And, and because I had so much hardship and I was a single parent and an immigrant and I over, had to, so much to overcome, I, I, I felt it's my, my obligation to share this message and the shortcuts with the world and say, look, it's, it's available to you. And here are the steps to take. <laughs> and it is up to you to do this. So what drives me is this sincere desire. I really want to help people make an impact. 
We mm. as a company have a very clear statement. Our impact is measured by the impact we help other people make. Unless mm -hmm. other people that we work with make an impact, we are not doing our job. I want everybody in my company to rem be reminded of that. We're here to help other people make their impact. We're catalysts, conduits. We are, we are accelerators. That's what we do. Whew. Great. Love yes. it. Thank you. That was brilliant. Uh, our guest today on Late Boomers has been Beata Chalette, host of the Growth Architect podcast. Please visit her websites for further information, growthblockerquiz.com and airtightavatar.com. Thanks so much, Beata. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And we want to request our listeners to please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and on our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast. Please also follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. We hope you are inspired by today's episode. Thanks for joining us and thanks again, Beata. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.